for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it and we're live all right welcome everybody this is the realities artist podcast and we're your host nate and tony hello and we have an awesome guest on he wants to go by the drizzle so welcome drizzle Thanks. Uh, uh, it's good to be on, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Uh, you threw out a thing the other day on Twitter. You were like, when are we going to start talking about Saturn? And, I, yeah. dude, I've I've been semi-obsessed with it, but, like, I, I honestly, like, I'm an amateur, too. But let's go deep, man. Show me what you yeah. got. Uh, I mean, this whole Saturn thing, it, it's weird because it seems like it's the thing that, like, ties Hollywood it ties the media, it ties the politicians, it, all the religious leaders, like of like everything. It all comes back to the Saturn worship, and it's crazy, man. Yeah. What are your yeah, thoughts, I, man? Well, I think that you might be onto something there. Um, just you know, based on the little amount of research that I've done myself on it um, since I got turned on to the idea. Uh, it does seem to be per pervasive from an industry standpoint. In other words, it's kind of, you know, it crosses a lot of boundaries uh, between entertainment, government, uh, finance, uh, you name it. You know, it, it doesn't seem like there is, a, you know, a, a sector of life that is untouched uh, by this, this thing, whatever it is. And it's, it's to my mind, it's still kind of open as far as, you know, what you can actually call it, whether it's, you know, a religion or it's something even bigger than that. You know, um, it it also seems to go pretty far back in history uh, as well. Um, and of course, we can you know, we can get into the finer points of breaking all that stuff down. But it's one of those subjects that when you really start dedicating yourself to taking a, a you know, a look at it from like a, the, the standpoint of a student and learning everything about it that you possibly can. There is an immense amount of information out there about it. And the craziest part of it to me has been the fact that, you know, all this information has been there literally in plain sight, but it's one of those things that like nobody ever talks about. Yeah, man. Like, like, uh, you will see it on the side of the road. You'll see it. Like if you go through a city, you'll see like, you'll see all the signs and symbolism and you just walk right past it. You think it's normal, man. I, I drive over this bridge like every day and they have these big obelisks on, on the edges of the bridge. And mm. all of that has meaning, you know, yeah. they, they wouldn't have put it there if it didn't. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I mean, it, the, the thing that I keep tying it back to you know, and as far as, as my own knowledge that I have, uh, you know, that I would claim a little bit more, uh, authority with, I guess is, uh, you know, Freemasonry and all of the symbology that's involved, uh, with that practice. Um, and it's like you say, it's one of those things where like I've grown up outside of Washington DC and, and lived in this area for pretty much my entire life. Right. Uh, but it was only within, I would say the last, Eh, 10, maybe 15 years uh, that I really started looking at the layout of the metropolitan area 
um, and especially the the area right there around the Capitol and all of that. And you can see, like literally, you can see Masonic sim, uh, symbols in in the grid patterns of the street. Like it's and it's one again one of those things. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So like now, if, if I look at a uh, uh, a top down view of the National Mall where they're going to have that that big rally tomorrow, right? Um, if I look at that on any map, all I see is a pyramid. I can't see anything else now. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like the only thing that I can really kind of compare it to in, in terms of the fact that it's always been there. Uh, but it's just, you know, nobody, nobody points it out to you because the, the vast majority of the people, you know, 99% of the population or whatever, uh, they have no clue either. You know, it's, it's only this select small subset that's kind of let in, uh, on the secret. Yeah, man. It's wild. It is. It's an open secret. It's a big secret. It's on the back of your dollar bill and everybody just rolls it up and snorts Coke and doesn't think about it twice. (laughs) Well, it's yeah. Getting back to, to the whole, uh, the symbology of Saturn, it's, you know, uh, it's definitely there on the dollar bill too. Uh, you're 100% right about that, but it's in things that you would not even think of considering like your, your wedding ring. You know, one of the things that the Jordan Maxwell talks about in, uh, in his presentation is that the, the ring that you put on your spouse's finger when you get married is symbolic of the rings of Saturn. And it's not that you're, yeah, it's not that you're, you're being, you know, uh, your marriage, your union is being recognized by, uh, by a Christian God. Um, but it's actually that you're asking Saturn to, to bless the union, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so there's, it, you know, when I talk about it goes way back through history, um, it, it really pervades a lot of the, the major wisdom traditions, um, you know, the, that we've just come to accept outright, you know, Christian, uh, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, um, even into, uh, some of the Eastern religions like, uh, Hinduism, um, you can find these, uh, these pervasive patterns and symbols of something that appears to be much, much older. Um, and again, it's just, nobody seems to really know why it's there because it's original purpose got obscured, uh, a long, long time ago. Yeah, that's weird, man. Um, yeah, I, I was listening to one lady in particular. She was trying to break it down. She was she was talking about almost every major religion has uh, Saturn worship in it. And she was talking about even the Aztecs, mm-hmm. like that was the god yeah. that wanted sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That was the one that wanted the blood sacrifice. And even Woden, uh, so even the, the Scandinavian uh, tradition, he was supposed to be Saturn as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, that's kind of one of the key elements of the, the worship of, of, you know, what they call the Saturnine deity. Um, and that is the, the sacrifice and more specifically, uh, the, the blood sacrifice. Um, so again, you're, you're absolutely right. The, as best we can tell, you know, what the, the Aztecs were, were doing with their culture and in their temples is a direct correlation uh, to the sacrificial practices that, 
you know, the people in, um, you know, the, the ancient region of, uh, like Mesopotamia and Babylonia were doing, um, uh, they're, they're directly related to the same practices, uh, that the, the people in ancient India were doing and so on and so forth. Um, because again, that's, that's one of the, one of the things that, uh, apparently this, this deity demands is, uh, that, that blood sacrifice. Um, one of the books that, uh, that I used as a reference, as I was learning more about this myself, uh, was talking, uh, about specifically how you would go about engaging in the practice of Saturn worship, uh, now in the present day. Um, and you know, it gets into all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but you know, it talks about, uh, making offerings to the deity in order to, you know, uh, conjure him and, and, uh, bring him forth out of his, uh, his little black cube prison. Um, and one of the things that you're supposed to offer in, in the process of that ritual, uh, is your own blood, uh, because without it, it's unlikely that, uh, that he's going to take any notice of what you're doing. That's fucking. So, did you say your own blood? Yes. Okay. Now, you can you can offer. Uh, apparently, you can offer uh, just blood. Period. Um, but you know, in in today's society, it's uh, things like uh, you know human sacrifice and even animal sacrifice at this point are very much frowned upon. Um, so unless you're, you're doing it in a space where you know that it's not going to get out and nobody else is going to find out about it, it's better to use your own, or at least, you know, that was the spin that the author was, was putting on it. Okay. Um, that's so, interesting. Um, yeah. uh, because I mean, I'm even thinking back to like, uh, old Judaism and things like that. Uh, they would have to sacrifice the young lambs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, there was always... Uh, yeah, sorry, not to interrupt you, but apparently oh, even the uh, the practice um, among the uh, the Jewish tradition, the older Jewish tradition uh, of sacrificing your firstborn, um, that was again uh, to Saturn or to you know whatever they were, whatever name they had given uh, this deity back then. So we're referring to Abraham, yeah, uh, about to sacrifice his son, huh? Yeah. And he got lucky because Saturn said, no, thanks. You're good. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's Yeah, that's that's the interesting one, because I haven't it's been a while since uh, since I visited that story myself. So I'd have to go back and look at a lot of the details in it now uh, with this new knowledge that I've acquired, um, because, again, you know, me looking at that story, you know, 20, 25 years ago um, when I first started um you know, looking at the, the Abrahamic religions, um, I, I saw it completely different than I would likely see it now. And again, it's because I was, I was missing this additional information. Um, so I don't know, it, it may very well be that, you know, if I were to revisit that story that I wouldn't actually interpret that as he was offering the sacrifice to Saturn anymore at that point, maybe it was one of the other gods, because if you hmm. if you really break down the the Old Testament um, and look at it, there's about four different gods that appear to be mentioned uh, in the course of of the Old Testament, um, because they they all occupy very specific uh, places in the culture, uh, and they don't necessarily overlap with one another either. So 
um, Jehovah and Yahweh might not just be two different names for the same God. They might actually be two different gods. That's interesting. All right. We got our friend here, Jod, coming in. Jodzilla. Yeah. Uh, He's loading in. But Awesome. He's here to correct me. (laughs) Uh, He's here to go fucking, yeah, extra deep with us. But, um, yeah, man. uh, So I I did a little bit of research here, and I can read you what I found. I took some notes, and you can tell me. If you found similar things, so basically it goes back to Saturn, right? And Saturn was, his name was Kronos. That's, that was the God's name, right? And he like, so like, this is the lore that he killed his father, right? And so then there was a, um, I don't know. There was like a, anyways, they said that, uh, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. (laughs) They said that uh, his children were going to, uh, avenge, I, I don't know about avenge, but they were also going to kill him and take over, right? So mm-hmm. he was married to this lady. This lady hid her sixth or seventh child. That child, she handed him a rock instead, and he consumed it and ate the rock. And that child uh, rose up and killed his father. And uh, then the Titans and him took over the universe, something like that. And I, so if he's dead, I don't, I, I see, I didn't see the connection where he's still around, but supposedly, so Saturn is the God of judgment and time. Yes. And yeah. so, yeah, what you're, what you're referring to is the, the Greek mythology of, uh, of Saturn or Kronos, uh, as, as the Greeks called him, um, which, uh, again, the, the synchronicity of this subject in my life is just unbelievable. Um, because even before I was studying, uh, Christianity and the religions that were related to that, I was heavy into the Greek and Roman mythologies. Like I dug Mm. on all of that shit as a kid growing up. So I know all about that stuff. Um, but yeah. And the, the other thing, the reason why Saturn is associated with time is because of him, um, receiving the name of Kronos from the Greeks, um, which, part of that name refers to him as one of the Titans and the other, um, uh, I guess you would call it like a transliteration of that name is of him as father time. Um, but essentially that's where we get the, the Western idea of the grim reaper or father time, uh, is, Interesting. is from yeah. the Kronos legend. Yeah. And like chronology too. Yeah, Correct. chronology, yeah, and chronological, yeah, everything, yeah. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, but the and, whole thing, like the whole thing with Kronos is, um, uh, you know, according to the mythology, he was given a prophecy uh, from one of the oracles, I can't remember which one, uh, that one of his children would grow up to overthrow him as he had overthrown his father. Yeah, there you go. Um, that, Prophecy yeah, was the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, that was why he he decided to eat his children, essentially, uh, to devour them uh, so that they couldn't do that. But, of course, you know, the plan backfired on him. Well, that yeah, is that be though, a lesson right? to everybody. That, that is time, though, right? Like Time, time eats will, us all. Time will kill your father. Yeah. It will kill you. Like, you know, just that's what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, John, you there, buddy? I think he's there. Jodzilla. 
Can you hear us? Uh, he's still on mute, so we'll figure that out. He'll jump in when he jumps in. Uh, so let me see here. Uh, that's also where you get some pretty epic art, man. I've seen some of those old oh, yeah. uh, paintings of that old man devouring his child. And uh, yeah. let's see here. Yeah, and so, some of them are pretty gnarly too. Like the, yeah. I can't remember who the artist was. I want to say it was Rubens, but I might be wrong on that. But it's where you literally have like this this haggard looking old man, and he's got like this child in in the palm of his hand. He's just like ah, the long oh. hair and the gray beard. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I think that's going to be our cover art. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, some of the other notes that I took here, it says uh, the black cube is the symbol for judgment in Freemasonry. It gets its origins. Um, okay. So it's the, its origins can be uh, traced back to ancient Rome and it is the origin for the term to be blackballed. Um, it was custom for the ancients to condemn a prisoner uh, by throwing black pebbles at them. Which is interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing that we took here is like the cube is the symbol of imposition. Its purpose is to separate man from nature. And it is the imposition of will. It is the symbol of the unnatural. It is also restrictive and the symbol of confinement. Hmm. Well, the confinement, uh, I, I definitely ran across that in my research. Um, cause again, the whole, the whole idea behind the black cube itself is that is literally the prison, uh, that Saturn is, is contained in, uh, is the black cube. That's, that's, it acts as like the, the portal to the, the, you know, the prison dimension, the underworld, uh, or whatever that he was, uh, banished to, uh, when Jupiter or Zeus or, you know, whoever, what, whatever name the, the one child has that ended up, you know, defeating him. Um, that was where he was sent to. And that's, you know, again, uh, for the people who actually believe in it and, and practice the, the religion, um, that's, that's how you interface with him is, is through the black cube. Interesting. I, I have a quote here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tony. Well, it's interesting because like you say it's separation from nature, but then what's more natural than time? Like that's a really. So, yeah, I think time might be natural, but so where does the cube fit in here? How does that, how does that uh, incorporate Saturn? You know? Well, like, or it's, yeah, there's not a real clear answer on that as, as far as I've been able to find so far. Um, Cause again, it relates to uh, where he currently resides um, and, and as far as, uh, you know, him being, uh, imprisoned, um, there, there seems to be, uh, a theory, uh, that is prevailing that links the black cube to some sort of meteorite, uh, or, you know, something else that essentially fell from the heavens to earth, um, okay. and was some sort of, uh, like black rock essentially. Um, now, whether it was the shape of a perfect cube or not, um, you know, I, I never found a very, very clear answer on that. Um, but there is like one of the, 
the first books that, that I started reading um, after uh, you commented on the post I made on Twitter uh, is a book called the, the Saturn Death Cult. And it actually tells a very interesting story at the beginning, which is that the Earth was actually part of a completely different solar system and that the star of that solar system uh, was Saturn. And that over the course of time, that system and the system that we currently occupy ended up colliding with one another. Um, and the thought is that in the process of that happening, that there may have been matter that was expelled um, from Saturn as it went from being a, a brown dwarf star to the gas giant planet uh, that we recognize it as now. Uh, that matter, you know, made its way uh, down to Earth and, and, essentially became one of the, the symbols of the ancient God that had been overthrown. Okay. That's, that's really fascinating. Uh, he is the, he's supposed to be the symbology right for um, iron, right? Is iron yes. and iron and steel maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, so I have a quote here. This is from, uh, this is from the Freemason Lodge. Uh, this is about the black cube. It, so it says justice to the lodge requires us to cast the black cube on an applicant. We believe to be unfit justice to ourselves requires that we cast the black cube on the application of the man we believe would destroy the reputation of our lodge. Hmm. So that is their, their black cube is their symbol for judgment. And right. so I yeah. don't, I don't know exactly what gets you kicked out of the club. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was said that um, that is one of the things that that you can count on from Saturn is that he is a I guess you would call him a vengeful God. Um, in other words, he he's a, a character you really don't want to piss off um, because, you know, going back to the uh, the Vedic texts uh, of ancient India, um I can't, I can't remember the, I think it's the, was it the Shurya Mahatmya, which I'm probably seriously butchering there. Uh, but there's a Vedic text that refers to um, a king who was uh, essentially spurning Saturn in his court, you know, saying all sorts of uh, uh, horrible things, uh, impugning his character and, and uh, all that type of stuff as Kings like to do, I'm sure. Um, and that Saturn caught wind of it and decided to visit his wrath upon this king, which lasted for seven and a half years. And apparently the only way this, this king was able to uh, get back into Saturn's good graces was, you know, making offerings to him and, and being incredibly devout during that seven and a half years. But the vengeance still had to run its course because of, mm. of what had been done. So, yeah, he's... Uh, the the lore is definitely there that he's he's not somebody that you fuck around with you know he sounds either. a bit of a dick and i should i'm sorry yeah, yeah. well yeah um <laughs> don't but, kill me <laughs> hey no if i spent like if i spent all of my time like in some sort of netherworld prison dimension with chains all around me um and you know most of the people just didn't even know that i existed anymore i'd probably be a little bit of a dick too yeah, but that's just me. Uh, so I have another quote here. Uh, this is from so this is talking about uh, perhaps origins of what uh, the black cube is. 
So it says Kybel, um, Cube. Okay, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna butcher these. Uh, Go for it, man. <laughs> Kybel, Cubelea, uh, Cubelea, uh, Cybel, and Cybelus uh, mm-hmm. was the uh, <laughs> for P H R Y G I A N. Uh, Fer- Fergarian. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's pronounced Phrygian. Phrygian. And there we go. I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you how I know that. Um, so one of the uh, one of the things that that I do is I like to try and be a part of as many communities as possible, so that I can act as kind of like a bridge between all the different libertarian movements that are going on right now. Um, one of the communities that I'm a part of is. Uh, run by a guy named uh, James Evan Pilato. It's called Media Monarchy. Um, and one of the folks in I'm that I'm there community... too, buddy. Yeah, oh, I love you? it. Yeah. I'm part, of the, I'm part of the kingdom. Uh, Chef Boy or Nate on there. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. yeah well, there's uh, another one of the guys in there is Phrygian the, cool, the Cruel. And the only reason why I know how to pronounce Phrygian is because I've heard James say it so many times. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've heard I've heard him say the drizzle. I was going to ask, are you the drizzle? I so. am. I am. <laughs> That's cool, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere, anywhere you find okay. the drizzle on the internet, uh, except for I think like one or two places, but this was a few years back. Uh, that's me. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is the Phrygian uh, deification of the Minoan Rhea or Saturn's wife. Her most ecstatic followers were males who would ritualistically, uh, who were ritualistically castrate themselves, and after which they were given women's clothing and assumed female identities. Um, and then, uh, so the Kybel, anyways, I think that's where the cube. And then it's a cybernetics from the god uh, Cybernetes to control mm-hmm. or steer to govern which is like which likely has its uh, etymology origins in kybis kybel kyber kaba and the cube so that's where they think the cube was introduced in there quite possible quite possible and the other thing that's interesting about that and you actually already hit on it um, whether you know it or not is one of the major um, uh, religious landmarks uh, around the world uh, is in uh, Mecca. Um, and it's uh, the, that's where for uh, Muslims who engage in uh, the Hajj, which is the pilgrimage to the Holy land, they go to Mecca. And the reason that they go to Mecca is they go to visit the Kaaba, which is a large uh, cube uh, that literally sits in the middle of Mecca. There's, there's like this, uh, you know, structure that's been built around it. Um, and if you, if you look, uh, if literally, if you just Google Kaaba, K-A-A-B-A, um, and look at the images that come up, you'll, you'll see there, there's this massive structure around this huge cube. Um, yeah. and they have all these, all these ornate, um, tapestries that, that are draped over and everything, but it, it's literally a, a big black cube. And inside of it are all these little black stones. And the crazy thing about it is nobody seems to know who built this structure 
and nobody seems to know where those stones came from. But that's, you know, like that's the place. If you're a Muslim, you're expected to go there and perform the rituals that are supposed to be performed. And it's been yeah. there, you know, thousands and thousands of years. I've got some notes on that too. Nice. Um, but so, so the other part that I find interesting too is that, um, so it says the most ecstatic followers were the males who would castrate themselves and would be given women's clothing, clothing and assume female identities. And right. what do we see a lot right now? And uh, we're seeing a, a hell of a lot of um, gender bending is an, a good word for it, I guess. Uh, yes. This very big promotion of inversion, right, of mm -hmm. switching. And I do – I also – so, you know, you can call me conspiracy theorist if you want. But I kind of – you know, I think about the whole um, – the whole overpopulation thing. You know, and right. how uh, these folks, you know, you can call it a conspiracy, but they they say it outwardly. There's too many of us. They want to get the population down. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I was thinking about is like, what's a great way is like convince the kids to castrate themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And well, they'll never have kids. That's just yeah. we can take them right off the table and we'll cut the population in half. Yeah. I, I mean, what's, what would be a better way to, to try and bring the birth rate down than to convince little children that they're in the wrong physical body and, and they need to, they need to do something about it. They, they need to figure it out. And maybe that means, you know, they're, they're going to have to and get some surgery parents, and they're going to have to do something to, to those, uh, those sex organs, you know, if but, your parents don't believe you, if they say if they then we're going to take you away from your parents. We can give you that yeah. medication anyways. We can yeah. start giving you hormone blockers right now. Or oh, you're seven? That's okay. Come here and take some pills. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it's outrageous, man. <laughs> it is outrageous. It the the whole part of it, you know, from from my standpoint is I can see how you know the the cult of Saturn would tie completely in with transhumanism um, because again, it's, it's not about trying to serve, you know, uh, a higher goodness. It's, it's, you know, the, the transhuman agenda is about man himself trying to become God or believing that he can become God. Mm -hmm. um, you By know, making himself no, immortal. Yeah. Correct. By by yeah, no matter what the what the cost on that is either, because uh, again, it's it's not about the the journey that you take to get there. It's just about the end result, the output. It sounds a hell of a lot like left hand path magic to me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's fascinating, and all this does like I I did a little bit more research too, and they were talking about how this this uh, Saturnian cults they are this is like. Uh, this is left hand path magic and they are communicating, I guess, with like supposedly whatever you want to believe about uh, interdimensional beings and different things like that. They're supposedly, you know, um, communicating and uh, making deals and barters with these mm -hmm. interdimensional beings. And the payment is blood is the, <laughs> there we are again. There we are again. Now, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you're saying Alex Jones was right. 
hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, Alex was right about a hell of a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he was he was right about more than he was wrong about, um, especially as as the days and weeks go by, which is uh, maybe the scariest part of all of it. Yeah, I mean, just the unfortunate thing was the Trump humping, but yeah, uh, bef- everything else, man, everything else. Well, just about yeah. everything else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see here. Um, I got a hell of a lot of pictures. Okay, so this is about this is actually about uh, uh, Mecca. So this is Kaaba, K A A B A, the Shrine mm-hmm. of the Sacred Stone in Mecca. Formally dedicated. So this is talking about pre-Islamic. So it's talking about formally dedicated to the pre-Islamic triple goddess Manat or Al-Lat or Allah or Al-Uzza, the old woman worshipped by Muhammad's tribesmen, uh, the Korshites. The stone was also called Kuba or Kubaba or Kuba or Kub and has also been linked with... Cybel or Cybella, the great mother of the gods. The stone bore the emblem of the Yoni, uh, like the black stone worshipped mm-hmm. by the Vortares and of Artemis. Uh, now it is regarded as the holy center of the patriarchal Islam, and its feminine, feminine symbolism has been lost, though the priests of the Kaaba are still known to this day as the sons of the old woman. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, cause that, that one friend that I was telling you about, uh, before we went live, um, she was telling me that inside of, of the Kaaba. So inside of the building, uh, there in Mecca, um, the, uh, I didn't even know it was a building. The, yeah. the cube, can you go inside of it? Uh, I, I think only the priests are allowed to go inside of it. I don't yeah. think like the, just the, you know, the kind of reminds rabble. me of the Holy of Holies. Like, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, you can't go inside the temple. Yeah. Check this out. Speaking of Holy of Holiest of Holies. Um, so she was telling me that inside of the Kaaba where the black stones are held, um, the thing that the black stones are actually, uh, encased in is in the shape of a vulva or as your research revealed the Yoni. So it is literally the shape of the midsection of the woman at the hips. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. That's, that's interesting with the black stone. It just doesn't seem like it fits in there (laughs) at all. Well, the black stone from what I've, I've been able to tell is the black stone is supposed to be representative literally of semen, which again is, is why it's, kept in something that resembles uh, a vulva because again it it all goes back to you know fertility rights and, and all of that sort of stuff it's um, interesting i'm oh, sorry no go ahead well it's interesting that you said that it's separ- when we talk about the separation from nature because there's no shape more than like cube that would be that you just wouldn't find in nature at all mm-hmm. you're not going to find the right angle you're not going to find in parallel lines you're not going to find equal distances so it's the most unnatural of all mm-hmm. symbols. It's sharp. It's black and white. There's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So I'm trying to think well, like the origin of this and trying to figure out like so originally it like, is it is representative of and this is the only way I could try to think to to tie it to natural phenomenon. It is representative of 
the cardinal directions uh, of the dimension that we exist in. Um, so when you think about it, a cube has six sides, all right? And in our perception, in, in you know, the space that we inhabit, uh, there's up, down, there's left, right, and there's front and back. You put all of those together and you have a cube. It's the prison we're in. Yeah. Confined by time. It's, yeah, I yep. think there's some symbolism Bingo. there. For sure. So uh, more research here about the Kaaba. It says the black stone is in fact the cornerstone of the Kaaba. And it is the, oh, and it is there as an emblem of the progeny of Abraham, which was rejected by the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Tony, pick that thing up. <laughs> uh, which was rejected by the Israelites and became the cornerstone of the kingdom of God. Mm, yeah, that sounds like Jesus to me. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Psalms uh, 1, 18 through 22. Ishmael was looked on as being rejected by God, or so the Israelites believed. So mm -hmm. that's where he says the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. So they've become the, okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, here's, here's something that's even more interesting, and I, I cannot remember if this was part of my research on the cult of Saturn or before that, um, but this is also a reference to, um, so it's a reference to Jesus, uh, the stone that the builder refused, becoming the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. um, it is also the reference to the capstone on a pyramid. I'm... I'm missing you here. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember this, this connection. Sorry, buddy. I don't, I don't think I have it written down, but um, yeah. So the, that is the, um, so like on, on the back of the dollar bill, the, the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill with the, the eyeball at the top of it. Right. Yeah. It is missing the capstone because the eye is in place of the capstone. Um, so hmm. uh, again, the, the stone that was refused was supposed to go at the top of the pyramid, but instead of like on our money, instead of it being at the top of the pyramid, we have an eye. Uh, and uh, apparently the eye is supposed to be like the eye of Saturn. Of course, now hmm. with Lord of the Rings and everything, we, we, some people interpret it more as like the eye of Sauron, but it's, it's still kind of the same thing. It's the, yeah. the, the, uh, vengeful God watching from above. Well, that, I mean, some of the research that I looked into was saying that like, I mean, Tolkien knew this shit and like he put that in there purposefully. Oh, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So I, I totally think that that is so, uh, a connection Sauron Saturn. Uh, so it is said that the black stone fell from the sky. So this is, this is back to what you were talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. Originally one of the precious stones of heaven, but that God deprived it of its brilliancy, which would have illuminated the world from one end to the other. It's hmm. interesting. So yeah. is Saturn screwed with it, I guess he, he doesn't want to, and, and then I found some uh, some Nazi connections here too, okay. Because the Nazis me? also worship this black cube. Um, so this was a Nazi explorer. His name was Otto Rahn. Um, he says he sought 
to find the stone of heaven or, or Lucifer's grail, regarded by the Cathars as the holy grail. He claimed to have found this grail, but mysteriously died, and his last notes had disappeared. It says, from the secret glory, uh, that's a book, it says, in fact, it was found in a hollow stalagmite carved out with a chisel. Me, I always knew of this vase that held the meteorite. It was exhibited in the Gadal room of the uh, Terrasson Museum. It was a very dense stone. It says Gadal described it as an object of a cult and that even that he even spoke of this, uh, the Sangrel. Man, I'm going to screw up these words. So if we look closer and we see that uh, in the manuscript of the Wolfram von Eckenbach, the grail is a stone. And it is said uh, it is said that the one who sees this stone will have eternal life. Hmm. And the God of the cube is worshipped by Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, paganism, and the Nazis. That's everyone, kind of. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, and again, that falls right in line with all of my research as well. Um, because it seems like this this story that is being told over and over again. And again, you can find the, the same allegorical patterns in, you know, 12, 13 of, of the world's oldest religions. Um, and they all talk about similar things and tell similar stories. You know, they all had to come from, from somewhere. It wasn't, it wasn't like they just all sprang up overnight, you know, fully formed on their own with, you know, no contact with one another. So this thing says, uh, so this is about uh, the natural thing here. It says the cube is the grinding down of natural stone an imperfect all char into the stone of perfection. So the cube is supposed to grind us down into, I guess, to turn us into perfection. And uh, I think that's what it means. That yeah. judgeful, yeah, the judge, judgmental, evil bastard. Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean that's that's and that's what's supposed to do the grinding is is the judgment. Yeah, um, and I guess over time that's supposed to I don't know turn us into the perfect servants or something. He, he's the god of order. Yeah, the god of yeah. time, order, and yeah. Yeah, also chronology isn't—it's not just time, but like a specific type of time. It's—it's it's the order of things. Like there's there's a type of time where it's just like it, now is a good time to do something. But chronology is like in fifteen minute blocks of like it's like a scheduled planner, right? Like at nine fifteen I do this. At nine thirty I do this. At ten fifteen I do this. So it's yeah. It's just being able to block up on time. It's very unnatural to live like that. Like, in fact, like if it was natural, we wouldn't need schedule planners, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because it, I don't know about you guys, um, you know, but my day kind of has a rhythm all of its own to it, um, and that's just dependent upon whatever it is I need to do that day. 
Um, so for me, it's very easy to get lost in a task or a project and have a few hours go by and not even realize it, you know, cause mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm so intent and focused on what it is that I'm working on. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, you can even talk about like, uh, what it looks like in our day to day. Now that order and chaos and like even sitting down in a cubicle, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's very good. That's very good. I like that. Yeah. There seems to be a pattern of just, this is what civilization is. It's this unnatural confines that we're in and it does require our own blood. It requires sacrifice. It's surveillance. It's unnatural. And I think that like, no matter where you're going to find, no matter what people's religions are, if they live within the confines of civilization, there's kind of an acknowledgement of, well, this is the, this is the price that we pay for this. This is our sacrifice and given um, like kind of an avatar to that. Hmm. Taxes are the price we pay to live in a, civilized society is that what you're saying tony yeah yeah no way well it's like like a cosmic tax if you will like there's yeah. nothing you can do like there's no way of getting around it it's um if you not even like you want to it's just like that's where we're at like we can't just go off and live in the wild because we don't know how i want to i want to frolic naked and pick berries yeah roll, roll you around know. in the grass <laughs> yeah i'm with you on that brother bring me no. along I see. Yeah. I mean, I see like even it's always coming from the top, right? This Saturn, mm -hmm. this it's this, this control mechanism to uh, control and impose order. And it just like that says it's grinding down the pebbles and turning it into the square. And uh, that is what the government tries to do to us. And I mean, in a lot of fucked up ways, I'm a parent. So I'm thinking about the way that, you know, you have to make a child conform and fit inside of a box. Right. Yep. I mean, maybe there's, you know, it sounds like there's some connections to that. I mean, even like mm -hmm. when we were just wild hunter and gatherers, then all of a sudden we we're figuring out agriculture and making straight lines and, you know, and digging ditches, you know what I mean? And planting plants and all of this is like imposing order into chaos. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. Well, but then there's again, these psychos that take it to 10. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but again, that's, that's the whole, the whole origin story of Saturn himself. Saturn was born of chaos. Um, and you know, he became the one who imposed order, uh, on the world. Um, so yeah, again, tying that back to, to things like government, um, I can see way more correlations to it now than I was able to, you know, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And the crazy thing about it is even though the older I get, uh, I seem to know less and less about the world. Um, my eyes become to open to a whole lot more that was always in front of me, but I was never able to see before. It's, it's the weirdest dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. Uh, maybe let's talk about how we're seeing this now in the modern era, like where we like, I, what do you think about like the symbolism, like the one-eyed kind of bullshit that you're seeing by like mm -hmm. uh, musicians and like young pop idols and TikTokers and like, Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. All this goes back to that too. It's funny. Absolutely. There's this. Well, yeah, because a lot of it is, 
you know, it, it ties into to the symbolism of Freemasonry, which itself is a derivative of uh, the symbolism of uh, Saturn. Um, it, I think more than anything else, and here's the crazy thing, is if you don't know that it's there and you don't know what it is, you know, essentially you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to see it, all right? But again, once you know what it is, you can't not see it. Um, it's, it's funny because, um, was, I don't know if you guys are aware with a, uh, or aware of a, a website called uh, vigilant citizen. Uh, but they do a lot of work, um, just kind of exposing, uh, the, the symbolism, the occult symbolism of the, the music industry, uh, the entertainment industry, government, uh, you know, the, just the stuff that's a part of our everyday lives that most people don't pay any attention to whatsoever. Um, and they were actually covering, uh, what was it? The, uh, it was the wedding of, was uh, it, uh, it was, was the, it Matt? Oh, okay. Yeah. That one's yeah. real weird, huh? Yeah. The, yeah. The Getty heiress. It was really, really weird. Um, and, and there was a lot of that, um, you know, not only just like the monarch symbolism with the, the MK ultra mind control stuff, but there was again, a lot of, uh, Freemasonic uh, symbolism in there. Um, and, uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the one eye type of stuff. Um, but again, it's, it, if you don't know what it is and you just happen to see like, you know, your, your favorite actor, or your favorite, uh, musician on, uh, a magazine cover or, you know, on social media now, I guess, I, I guess I dated myself by saying magazine cover. Um, but, uh, you know, you see them with their hair covering, you know, half of their face. You it's just on purpose, that's, man. It, exactly. It's yeah. on purpose, but you just think it's the style of the day. Like it, it, you know, it, you just keep moving on. Like it's nothing at all. But the whole point of it is that's exactly what's supposed to happen is it's not supposed to register on your conscious mind, but it is supposed to go into your subconscious mind and sit there. Um, I'm, and again, a little I'm a little cynical with the one eyed thing, just because I feel like a lot of that is just trolling. It's almost like the inverse of like the okay symbol at some point. Like I think well, there are some symbols for sure, but I think that there's a, like, it's also like you got to be careful with this stuff, not to get like completely spun around into it too. Well, what I would say, Tony, is that not everybody that does that is part of whatever type of group this is. There is like, like you're saying, there's actually like a lot of rappers and stuff that are like, they will invoke these symbols and they don't even know what the fuck it means. They are trying to be cool. They're trying to be like the, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, the ones that are definitely are like yeah, and it Beyonce even... and Jay-Z, when they do it, they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And a lot of the folks on the lower levels, you know, just like you're, you're saying, Nate, it, they might not even have a clue, uh, as far as, as what's going on. It's just the, the guy told him to stand there and, and make this pose and took his picture. And then he went on about the rest of his day. A hundred percent. And so why do you think they put that symbolism out there? So like the people that are in charge, why are they, why do they continue to do that with like some just let's say pop star that just comes out on the scene. Why do they, and do you think there is some sort of initiation? Do you think that there is an actual group of people that like, I mean, I think there probably is the highest levels or 
Well, and that's the thing too, is uh, I think it's really, you know, based on, on my research that spans now, good God, almost three decades. Um, it does seem like there's a lot of layers, uh, to, to the control structure. You know, it's, it's kind of like an onion where once you, you peel one layer back, you find out there's another one underneath. And once you, you peel that one back, you find out, Oh shit, there's another layer underneath that one too. Um, and it just kind of keeps going that way. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways it's, it really is just a control thing, you know, so that, that they can uh, literally get their jollies on making the, the rank and file among us, you know, do their bidding and not even know that we're doing it, you know? And I think a, a lot of it, that's what it boils down to. It's, it's just these people, you know, whoever they are, whatever name you want to apply to them, whatever group you want to put them into, um, I, I think it's quite apparent that there, there is, there's a hierarchy to our world. Um, and the hierarchy that I see more than anything else is it's basically an us and a them. It's an in-group and an out-group. Um, and it seems like the math is uh, very disproportionate between those two groups, right? Um, and the, the in-group, I guess we'll call them for lack of a better term, um, I think they really do just kind of get off on making us do stuff that we don't realize that we're doing. Like, I think it, in a way it's entertainment to them. I mean, obviously they, they reap the benefits from, you know, a financial standpoint and from a power standpoint and all of those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's literally an element of like, they, they just get off on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always an element of like, you know, a sociopathy or something that has to be involved in something like this. I mean, we can look at like the highest levels of government and who would actually want to be in charge, who would want to send people to die or kill or would just make that call or even make, you know, make a law that they know would, you know, disproportionately affect certain groups of people and or put people in prison. And because a lot of those things are, uh, like we would look at it and be like, why is that a big deal? You know, and they, they would, sorry, I've got, I've got my son texting me here. Apologize. That's all right. uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, these people are absolute psychopaths. So we have to think about the type of people that would be willing to make this, this type of bargain, I guess, uh, with, so I guess the next thing that I would ask is, do you think that there are into interdimensional like in your opinion like you don't have to say you know this but like no. speculating here uh, do you think that there are inter interdimensional beings do you think that they are connecting and talking with something i'll tell you what um if you had asked me this question uh let's say three years ago all right back in in january of 2019 i probably would have given you a much different answer uh than the one that i'm going to give you today and the reason why is in January of 2019, if you had told me uh, that the basically the entire world, all right, was going to be sent in a direction that they didn't agree with, maybe didn't want to go in, um, and that governments and media and pretty much 
you know, all of the major points of the power structure were going to march in lockstep with one another, uh, all at the same time to the same agenda. I probably would have said, yeah, you're, you know, you need to put the pipe down and, and take a break from the wacky weed for a little bit. Uh, something along those lines. Um, and I'm not saying anything about, you know, people who smoke pot cause I, I enjoy pot myself. Um, but I would say, you know, you might be smoking a little bit too much. You might want to get off onto something else for a little while. Um, and, and again, that was still knowing that nine 11 was an inside job, right? That was knowing that there were no WMDs in Iraq in 2002 before the invasion happened. Like I knew all of that stuff at the time, but I figured, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the, these crooked people, they're going to do what they want to do. As long as it doesn't affect my life, you know, it's fine. Um, and then of course the, the scamdemic happened, right. Uh, and, and I witnessed along with everybody else, exactly how much power these people are able to exercise. So in a roundabout way to, to finally get around to answering your question, I have no freaking idea if there are interdimensional or extraterrestrial beings out there, but I'm not at a point anymore where I'm able to just, you know, uh, cast it aside and say, nah, it couldn't even be possible because I've literally seen things happen in the last two years that I thought I would never see in my lifetime. It's very um, surreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely surreal. Yeah. This, I mean, the whole idea of having the one world government, I suppose, or whatever you want to call this, like to work in lockstep like that was unthinkable before you were like, there's, there's competing factions. There's people that don't want to work together, but I mean, even Russia and China, they played ball. You yeah. Know, everyone played ball. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was maybe one of the biggest things that, that threw me for a loop um, during all of this. Uh, Cause I actually, for the longest time I bought into uh, a lot of the prevailing geopolitical theories. Um, and so that was like really difficult for me to wrap my head around, you know, at the very beginning, it was like, wait a minute, these, all these nations that had formerly been enemies are now all singing the same tune and doing the same stuff and listening to, you know, the UN and the WHO, I was like, wait, wait a minute. What? Yeah, I think it was, there's different people in power now. I think there's been this um, under like kind of stealth coup that we'll never understand. But I think that the they kept the figureheads in place, and they said, okay, now we're in power, and we're going to do this, and that kind of because I think that yeah, there is something very different from like a nine eleven where you're like, okay, like there's some corruption going on. I don't know what it is, but not everyone in the world is on it, and this. It feels like everyone in the world is on it to some degree or at least affected by it. Well, yeah, I think, I think everyone that's the, the key point right there, I think is everyone's affected by it. Everyone is influenced by it, whether they're in on it or not. Um, I don't think that's the, the question to be asking. Um, as, as I've kind of retraced, uh, my own research going back through the history of the 20th century, one of the things that uh, I really started to hit upon 
um, was the, the whole, uh, the banking system, the international monetary system, and the way that that has been used as leverage uh, in order to make governments uh, act in certain very specific ways over the course of time. Um, and one of the things that that identified to me was that, oh, it actually isn't all that hard to make, you know, uh, uh, a country do what you want it to do. You just, you know, you either threaten to cut off the their financing, which is, you know, for most modern countries, that's going to be their lifeblood. You know, whatever money it is they're getting from whatever central bank at whatever location in the world, you know, if they don't get that money, they're not going to be function, functioning too great, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks down the road. Um, so it, it really kind of does all tie back to that monetary structure. Um, and yeah, over time, that's you really can kind of see it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can kind of see the agenda take shape uh over time if you just do the simple thing of following the money so i go back and forth whether or not i think that so i do don't necessarily think that this is all connected and there's like one head of people that tell every like give everybody the orders i sort of i sort of go uh to the thought that like these are all different like competing like mafia families sort of mm -hmm. but they but sometimes they work together you know, and so there might be a bigger agenda and they're like, this is going to benefit all of us. And so I also go back to things like I'm not even sure that the USSR ever was really our enemy. I'm not sure that Russia or China are our enemies today. Right. Um, I think that they play ball when we need them to and we play ball when we need when they need us to. Um, I see things like we were funding the fucking Nazi regime. We were funding yep. like they wouldn't have existed without our bankers. They wouldn't have gotten to power. We almost put Hitler in place. And it, the same thing with uh, with the USSR. It wouldn't have existed. It would have fell back in the 60s if we hadn't been like dumping money into like through Wall Street. You know, and well, so it, we need there these wouldn't enemies. Have been a Russian revolution without Wall Street. 100 percent. 100%. And so they, we need this enemy. We need this enemy to, uh, so we can have this excuse to build up this giant, like you, you know, military industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. And um, so I think the kind of the way I see it now is it's like, and I think everybody is really seeing this now. It's like they built this um, giant fucking bubble and they were just robbing us blind constantly. Mm -hmm. And, now the financial system is like so completely fucked that they knew it was about to pop. They knew that the entire thing was about to collapse. And like libertarians have been cheering this on forever. We were like, yeah, well, that bubble's going to pop. That bubble's going to pop. And we were too stupid to realize they already had a fucking plan. They're not stupid. Oh, yeah. See, too many libertarians uh, say government's dumb. Oh, government's stupid. I can't believe they would do that. Don't they, haven't they ever read Ludwig von Mises? How can they just go by the Keynesian model? You know, they're not dumb. They're not stupid. Yeah. They were riding that fucking, they were riding that way for as long as it, it lasted. And they saw the end and they're like, okay, what do we do? So, I mean, you can go back to like, well, they've, okay. They've known what to do for yeah. at least a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Controversial, uh, controversial thing right here. Uh, COVID nineteen. Okay, and this is not going on YouTube, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is going oh, on yeah, Odyssey. Okay. <laughs> but oh, COVID nineteen. Awesome. Uh, 
COVID-19 is, uh, was never anything. It was a flu. I don't, so I, I'll even argue that I don't think it was a bioweapon. I think that entire thing is a psyop. When we get to see Fauci and we get to see Rand Paul duking it out on TV. Uh And, you know, I think that's a whole fucking soap opera that we can get distracted with. And, um, it's, I think I'm, I'm that so glad to hear somebody else say this, um, <laughs> because this is like, this is the same thing that has been taking shape in my mind over the course of the past six months. Um, I was really bad about taking notes, uh, about five or six years ago. Right. Cause again, there was a point after, uh, I spent, you know, several years trying to convince people of what was going on with nine 11 and, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and just not getting any traction anywhere. And I ended up burying my head in the sand and just trying to live my life and leave it alone. Right. Um, but I remember, I want to say it was in like 2016. I remember listening to some talking heads on some cable news show. I can't remember what it was. And they were literally saying out loud that all they would have to do is manipulate the current all-cause mortality numbers and they could they could literally make people believe that there was some deadly disease on the loose and nobody would ever be the wiser. Yeah. Because they're in charge of those numbers. They get to track them and then they get to tell you about them. They get yeah. to tell you how many people died. I mean, it just I don't think that this if this was a fucking bioweapon, it was a fuck up. Because it didn't kill enough people, dude, to be honest with you. Like the way what happened was, uh, let's say five years ago or two years ago, or not two years. It's got to be three by now. Okay, so three years ago, if your grandma had cancer, if she also had diabetes, and she also happened to have the fucking flu, and she died, would they say the flu killed grandma? Not a fucking chance. Hey, they would have fucking said the cancer problem. It yeah, would have been maybe on listed on there. The yeah. And while we're fighting over whether or not there's a bioweapon, flu, whatever, BlackRock, Vanguard, they're buying up every bit of realty in this country. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's happening. And that yeah. might be and, something. Like, and we had, just, what, at least, like, 50% of the small and medium uh, businesses, the, mm-hmm. the, the mom-and-pop shops, entrepreneurs, all just laid to waste in the process. Because yep. none of those businesses could afford to take two weeks off. Not a single one of them. Those are the type of folks that are working their ass off and they're just fucking keeping, they're keeping their head above water and they're fucking killing it. And they were doing great. And then you tell them that they have to close, that they have to mm-hmm. abide by these crazy regulations, that there can't be more than five people in your shop at a time. Uh, you're going to sink them, man. I, I mean, I've been in the restaurant industry for basically my whole adult life and I've watched some of my favorite fucking restaurants, some of the best, most talented people close up shop and yeah. they just couldn't handle it, man. Yeah. And no, it's I was, fucking uh, tragic. I was working at a, at a mom and pop uh, paint store uh, out in uh, McLean, Virginia of all places, uh, r- literally right down the road from Langley uh, in March of 2020. Uh, and I got laid off, uh, or furloughed, I guess was the term that, that was used at the time. Um, it was on like March 18th, uh, and they closed up for, I think it was like a good six weeks. Like they were, they were one of the few businesses that was actually able to stay closed that long and then reopen 
and still be okay. Um, now they weren't, they weren't anywhere close to, you know, what they were opening back up as what they had been before they shut down, um, business wise. Um, but yeah, there were businesses all around that store that just never came back. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely tragic, man. And then you see the places, the businesses that thrived and you see the ones that stayed open and every single one of them, I mean, is connected. Mm -hmm. They're essential. They're all playing ball. The ones that, yeah, the ones that got deemed essential. Yeah. And you're not just a word magic of it where you're just saying like, okay, this is essential. This isn't. And there's someone making that decision in some back room based upon how connected they are. And then we internalize that language. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and this is, I mean, we had the case of the sniffles and then we decided to alter our DNA. And what does James say? We, we mm-hmm. changed the entire money, <laughs> the entire money system and altered our DNA for the super sniffles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think it was ultimately it was a, convergence of factors, right? So um, obviously what they tried to do to prop up the economic structure after 2008, they realized that that wasn't working uh, and that the the Piper was about to come calling, right? Uh, They also knew that they were due for a more severe flu season uh, than than what we typically have, because again, that's that's another one of those patterns that they can track, and they know about every eight to ten to twelve years, we're going to have one of those years, you know, twelve to eighteen months where the flu is a little bit worse than it normally is. It's a little bit more severe, might kill a few more people than it normally does, um, and they just they man, they may bank it. on it. Yeah, they absolutely jumped on it. So, I mean, as I, what I also see is like this whole entire psyop to kind of like appease the right, the, you know, the Patriots that are fighting so hard, uh, they're mm. going to be fighting and fighting. So maybe we won't get these shad mandates and they're fighting and fighting and they're all stoked that, you know, Jay Bizzle's fucking agenda is failing and we're watching this man implode in front of our eyes. But so his little back better agenda, right. Yeah, but his build back better agenda has failed, right? So we're not going to get that, and and so people are all happy and stuff. But it was never about Joe Biden's build back better. It was always about uh, the World Economics Forum's build back mm-hmm. better agenda, and that hasn't that hasn't ended yet. That hasn't stopped. And those type of psychos, like maybe they see enough like pushback where they'll they'll ease up for a minute. They'll stop for a second, and then another thing is going to happen and they're going to push it again. And so it's something like, like there's enough people now that have been fucking triple jabbed and have been wearing a mask this entire time. And now they're, they're getting the fucking Corona and a couple of them are fucking dying. Mm -hmm. So there's enough people that are going to start being like, what the fuck is this? What the, what the fuck's really going on? Right. And so I think, I mean, obviously they're going to now turn this and pitch this towards more of the, um, well, their weather modification, but <laughs> the climate right. change agenda, right? So they're oh, still yeah. going to be enacting these different things. Oh, man, what was the other thing I was going to say? I, I just, I see this as like, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I lost it. Uh, it'll come back to me. I have ADHD. <laughs> well, it, so here's here's the thing that has stuck out in my mind um, for most of this year. Um, if we go back to the the Rockefeller Foundation document from 2010, I think it was. Uh, most people call it the lockstep document uh, because that was that was one of the scenarios that was uh, contained in it uh, was lockstep. So in that scenario, uh, for what they had wargamed out, they knew that there was going to be pushback to the, the authoritarian measures taken by the governments around the world. All right. So they already knew that there was going to be a segment of the population uh, that was going to, maybe if they didn't exactly see what was going on, they weren't going to like it. Um, and they were going to make their descent known. The thing yeah. is, lockstep accounts for that. So they already knew that this movement was going to happen. Maybe they didn't realize the extent to which it, it was it was going to gain traction, uh, but they knew that the pushback was going to come. So they've they've already shit. They've had eleven years now, twelve years. To, to figure out a contingency plan for that. And the problem is, as far as I can tell, or at least as far as the documents that I've been able to get my hands on, they haven't told anybody what those contingency plans are. So in a way, I think you're right. I think they're going to keep pushing on with their agenda because, again, they've got a roadmap laid out uh, before them for the next eight years, if not longer. They're They're... Next big milestone is 2025, and after that, it's 2030. And by 2030, they plan to have the one world infrastructure in place with the digital control grid, the digital yeah. money, the, the programmable money, and all of that stuff. The global governance, uh, the, the ESG, you know, all of that garbage. So where I see this going, where I where I see like a really clear path, this is where I was going to it. It's like we we see the false fight. Right. So how do you how do you, uh, you know, control your opposition? You are them. Right. So we're right. going to see these like we're going to see our our uh, heroes fighting the fight. Like you see Ben Shapiro fighting so valiantly against the you know whatever. But I, I don't trust that piece of shit. But uh, I don't either. It, Essentially, what I'm oh, sorry, Tony. Um, let me just get this out real yeah. quick. What, what I see is um, their bigger agenda, or at least this 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 is something that they need. Um, they're going to let this. I think that they're going to let this Corona fucking vax thing go because ultimately, what they really want, like I think they were trying to poison as many people as they possibly could, because this is also going back to the overpopulation thing, right? I think I see this as like um, they're trying to make people infertile. They're trying to attack people. They're trying to weed out the weak. Like it seems like this particular like uh, the people that really get affected by this vaccine are people that uh, have uh, like diabetes or pre-diabetes. They seem to really be the ones that, that are starting to get like fucking, you know, their hearts are going out and they're getting blood clots and things. But really where I, where I see this fight going is that um, – you're going to see the freedom fighters uh, saying like, well, we don't want Vax uh, passports. And so what they're going to do is they're going to say like, okay, but you're going to have to have a green pass anyways, saying that you have the antibodies. So no matter what, everybody's going to have to have an ID. So they're going to have the Vax. They want this like biometric ID. 
for everyone. And so I, right. I think that even if the people that don't, that are going to fight and not get the fucking jab, you're still going to have to have your biometric ID. They might let you slightly participate in society. You'll still be a second class citizen. Probably they'll still find ways to, um, penalize us in certain in certain respects but no matter what i mean that's part of the agenda 2030 they want us to have these biometric ids and i think that this is going to be the big push and so like even the freedom fighters like you'll hear someone like ben shapiro or something again he'll he'll talk about like uh or like the uh, the allowable opinion uh, to uh, that's still in the mainstream to to be vocally against the vaccine mandates, they'll say something like, "Well, I have antibodies. I am I'm more immune. I'm safer than someone that has a vaccine." And like that's starting to be accepted in like you know. Yeah, and so that's, that's where the narrative is turning, right? It's, that's it's, exactly. It's actually shifting to the natural immunity now. So I think you're still. That's where they want us to go. Is that this is a bigger push for everyone to get this to get this ID? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I can't discount that at all. Uh, another thing. Oh, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Yeah, you. Well, <laughs> the way the way I see I see this stuff is happening on different levels. So there's the medical mafia, and they want to jab everyone. They want to make their money that way. And there's companies like BlackRock who want to use this as a distraction. They don't give a shit about whether you're vaccinated or not. There's companies like Amazon that wants every business to shut down. And all this stuff just kind of coalesces together. And I think that like there's, there's people who are fighting one aspect of this. And they might be in on another aspect of it. So it's really confusing. It's a mind fuck. And it just adds to the whole surrealness of the conversation. And... I don't know what the answer is to all of this, but I just think that like jump, like kind of like, I don't think it's, I think everyone has their own interest and they're all acting in their own interest. And those interests can be really different, but they can come together for a period of time and it can kind of create this spontaneous unity. Hmm. Yeah. I have, uh, so, okay. Everybody put on their tinfoil hat. Uh, I don't need one, man. I'm good. <laughs> so this goes back to you. So this was actually an article that James brought up. I think this was probably on, I don't, I don't know. It was like, maybe it was uh, international news. This would have been Monday, right? Mm -hmm. This was brought up maybe, I don't know, uh, a month ago. Do you remember it was a Russian couple? They had fake, they had paid a doctor. They had uh, got a fake jab. So they didn't even get a fucking jab and they flew. So they had their, their pass. They had their green pass. They flew to Israel. And when they were trying to leave, uh, they were getting checked to get on the, on the plane. And the guy said, which arm did you get it in? And they're like this one. And then he waves some fucking wand over it and goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh wow! No, I haven't heard this story. Wow! So this James talking about it. this was on. Uh, so I, I'll try to find it. I'll try to find the article and put it in the show notes. Um. So whatever the fuck they're giving us, they can detect it. So if you, if that's oh, yeah. the graphene, if that's the well, some sort of, you know, I don't know, like some sort of fucking. Are people turning magnetized with? <laughs> I've had okay. I've never seen it. But friends that I know that I fucking trust with my life have told me that like their mom or something, they fucking put a spoon up to their arm where it happened or something and it, it would stick. 
I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's bullshit. <laughs> Nano neurobot. Yeah. All right. Returning I mean, to Magneto. Gotta, yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of take their word for it if uh, if it's not there, you know, for you to witness with your own eyes. Yeah. And and here's the the horrible thing. So I actually had uh, somebody who was in my life up until about six months ago. Uh, who took two of the jabs. Uh, I don't know if she's taken any more than that because we, we just don't speak with one another anymore. Um, and I had actually talked with her uh, about, you know, the, the magnetization uh, when that was uh, first starting to hit, which I think was maybe towards the beginning of the summer uh, of 2021. Um, and she actually offered uh, to, to have me put a magnet uh, on her injection site and I didn't do it. And I wish I had, because uh, yeah. now I don't know anybody that's gotten it. So I don't have the opportunity yeah. to do it anymore. Um, but I mean, you know, from what I've heard about it, it, it sounds like it could be possible, you know, if, yeah. if they really are putting graphene into the injections or at least some of them. Um, some of them. I, I really yeah. think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, I do too. I do too. I don't think that every vial that leaves the factory is the exact same as every other vial that leaves the factory. Cause again, I think that's a part of the experiment as well. I mean, when you really boil all of this down um, and look at it from, from a, a psychological aspect as well as uh, an imperial uh, or empirical aspect, uh, Dude, this whole last two years has been one gigantic experiment on the entire freaking planet. Because it's the biggest, so, yeah, the yeah, biggest psychological experiment of our time. Well, not yeah. just psychological. I mean, think about it. This it's it's the largest field laboratory that they have ever had to work with. Because yeah. the the conditions are not the same from one country to the next. It doesn't matter if we're talking about the response from the government. It doesn't matter if we're talking uh, about the manufacturer of the shots that are going to that country. It's everything has been different country to country. So they, well, the they can literally uh, just play with shit at will. Yeah, to tie this back into the Saturn myth, I've been thinking like this is about life extension. I think that at for a certain point, what do you really want? You don't want to die. If you're Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, whoever, like whatever billionaire you are, that's the last thing left. And how do you do that? You do gene edit in, but you have to make sure that this is safe. So here's your mm -hmm. test. Like, but I think that this is really what to me is like, this is what it seems to be about. I don't know. I don't have proof. It's a tinfoil hat idea, but I don't, I don't think know it's that. a tinfoil hat though. That, that's the thing because <laughs> so they've been working on this technology for the better part of the last 20 years. We know this, you know, we, we can, uh, we can look at, at their own documents that show us when they started working on it, what they were using it for, uh, and what their results have been up to this point. Um, and you know, it makes sense to me from the standpoint of if this is something that they want to use on themselves, well, they're not going to offer their own bodies or those of their family up as as the guinea pigs in order to prove the technology, you know, to, to work out all the kinks and make sure that they're getting it right so that they're not accidentally shortening their lifespan instead of, you know, uh, prolonging it. So why wouldn't they use the rest of the population as their guinea pigs? 
you know, allegedly they don't see us as equals from a human standpoint to begin with. So what's to stop them from, from experimenting on us? So is this a Saturn, this is what Saturn cult is really about then in some ways about life extension, about making a bargain with the God of time to be like, yeah. I don't want to be subjected to this. I will offer you other sacrifices in the name of experiment. And we're looking at it through a scientific prism, but on the mythological prism, it's just sacrificing. So you live longer. I mean, I might also tie this back to the podcast we did last night, Tony, like we were talking with Sal and uh, honestly, Sal and the guy we were talking to elemental, those were really the first libertarians that I talked to that are excited and positive about the metaverse because <laughs> if, for the most part, the way I see it is like, we're building the black cube. We're building this fucking prison. Uh, yeah. We're building this soul trap. Um, I, I see this as like, at the same time, they're playing with our genetics and they're playing, they're trying this transhuman agenda. I think that they're like, you can tie this back to 5g too. Like, what is that graphene going to do to us when they fucking turn that shit up? Like if they want to, you know, uh, but also, um, that metaverse, man, like right now, as we speak, they're building it and getting better and better at building this artificial reality that maybe at some point is going to be just as good as, well, not just as good, but pretty fucking close. So uh, I, I like my friend took me through a mall in the metaverse like a couple days ago and I'm mm -hmm. walking around in it. I'm looking around and like, it, it's, it's interesting, man. It's, it's still rough right now, but I think they're building like, go back to Tony. What's that fucking show on uh, Netflix? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, Black Mirror. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's I have, how much Black Mirror have you seen? Too much, uh, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen enough. There's like, a few remember. episodes really yeah tie into that man about oh, yeah. extending your life about like there was a lady that was dying of cancer and she was, or she was like 80 or something and she was about to die. And so she was deciding whether or not she like, cause I think she was maybe religious or her family was, and they didn't want her to go into the zone. And it, because I find it fascinating too, because let's say I think you're supposed to die I, myself. I am religious. I am a Christian. Uh, and so I think if you die, you are supposed to go up to heaven. Uh, I don't think you're supposed to tie yourself into this computer. I think that that may be putting yourself somewhere where you're not supposed to go. Uh, but I think that uh, maybe these particular people, these people that are in charge, like this, uh, you know, what's his name, Zuckerberg, these people that are building this metaverse, they're trying to create that that alternative to whatever, maybe also because of their, their Faustian bargain that they fucking made, they know when they die, when they yeah. die, they're going to get fucked at the ass because of all the terrible things that they've been doing. So they're trying to maybe make an escape route, an artificial heaven here. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think you kind of hit on the, the whole, um, the linchpin of, of all of this stuff, which is, it all goes back to what you believe. Um, and that was something that I started teasing out in my own mind, um, you know, right as things were kicking off in, in March of 2020. Like, what what is this thing belief? Where does it come from? Why do we have it? 
And why does it seem to be so incredibly powerful, you know, throughout the course of our lives? Um, and I think, you know, kind of what it all boils down to is at least on this plane of existence in this realm that we occupy at, at this time that we call now, uh, the, the people who have the, um, you know, the material wealth are able to exercise their beliefs, uh, the, the, that thing, you know, that we create inside of us and, and project out into the world, they're able to project it onto everybody else. Um, but without getting, you know, too deep into, uh, um, you know, uh, various, uh, wisdom traditions and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's part of the whole point of being here is you do have to believe in something. Um, and whether or not you choose to tie that belief to something that is, uh, physical, that is measurable and whether or not you choose to tie that belief to something outside of yourself that you cannot measure, um, I think really kind of determines how you end up manifesting your own reality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, th- this is a huge subject that I have been trying to tackle for obviously a long, long time. Um, and a lot of times it, it seems like the words that are coming out of my mouth about it are complete gibberish. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes I get really funny looks when I, when I start uh, talking on this subject. Um, but yeah, there's, to me, there is something to the fact that, you know, we actually do have a hand in manifesting what we believe to be reality. You know, there, yeah. there is something that we cannot tangibly measure, uh, that we are able to exert on, you know, whatever this is, whether it's, whether it's energy, whether it's ether, you know, uh, matter, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, this, this thing that we call reality, we actually have the power to be able to manipulate it, uh, in, in many different forms and fashions. And I think that, that is what we refer to as belief and kind of getting back to the, again, the whole thing of, of, you know, Saturn and uh, inversion uh, and, and all of these other things that, that we've identified, um, you know, one of the things that, that COVID has done a masterful job of is getting people who don't seem to know any better to invest their beliefs into what other people want them to believe. Yeah. I mean, and it, it is the ultimate form of like religious fervor too. Uh, the different yeah. things that they do to appease this God COVID, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, cause there's, there's ritual and uh, there's, there's meaning for these people that are investing their belief. Uh, I mean, it, you can literally go down the list of all the, all the things that religion provides for people and the people who have bought into the COVID cult, they're getting all those things from it. Is it, so it, I think part of it is like people have left the COVID cult because what the, I think that most people 
start off believing that this, like, it's not necessarily like people believe in COVID and that narrative, but people believe in the authority of the people selling them that. And I think just about everyone starts off in that position. We go to government schools, we're taught, like, trust the politicians, trust the police, trust, you know, whoever. And this is revealed that this is all just, um, this is not who we should trust at all. So I think it's like stripping away. And then what you stop believing in the authority of the people telling the myth, and then from there, it's just like easy not to believe in the COVID myth. Like, like no one believes in COVID for the sake of COVID, but it just, it comes from authoritative sources. Well, exactly. But there, there's also a portion of the population that is never going to not believe uh, in, in the authority figure. Um, just for whatever reason, the, you know, there's like, I don't know, five or 10% of, of all people are just, that's how they're wired. You know, you, you show them that you're the authority and they're going to say, okay, I'll do what you tell me. And that's just what it is. I think, so some of that, yeah, I think, I think you're right that there are a lot of, there is a segment that is just going to listen to authority. I sometimes try to, uh, I try to figure out why. And I, and I think a lot of it comes down to maybe fear. Uh, uh, I mean, because when I try to like red pill my mom or something, right, I'll start telling her some of these things. Like, I like one of the big red pills from my mom was like uh, she she loved NASA. She definitely think, thought that we went to the moon. This whole thing uh, when she was a kid, uh, Werner von Braun came to uh, like talk to her class and stuff uh, oh, wow. because um, and but she also is big Israel humper. So she fucking loves Israel and hates the Nazis, which you're supposed to, I mean, I don't know about loving Israel, but you're supposed to hate the Nazis. Uh, but I was trying to explain to her about, uh, how the United States, like the government that she loves now and how NASA, uh, the whole thing about how, uh, our government who are supposed to be the good guys that beat the Nazis recruited and saved all these war criminals and brought them mm -hmm. here, uh, and hired them. And then, we so that that's the first thing that it'll tell you that we're not the good guys right and then um basically the nazis started nasa like we wouldn't have had really a rocket you know any of that shit without the nazi scientists and all of these different things that like i'm sitting here red pelling my mom and she's like no that can't be true and then she'll tell me the story about Werner von braun and then i'll have to sit there and show her like he was an ss officer he was brought over here, you know, and then just it like shakes her. She's like, holy shit. And it, so in a lot of ways, I think it is a fear thing because they're like, if you sweep that rug out from under me, what do I like? It, it's, it's a, it's like a revelation to them. It's like, if you crack that, that wall, it's, you know, it, it's scary. You're like, oh, I've absolutely. been lied to this entire yeah. fucking time. Every person yeah. that I believed in, like George Bush was a good guy and I voted for him twice. Right. You know, well, it, the whole thing about that is once you start to unravel uh, that, that tapestry, all right, that they have invested their entire lives into, they are, they then have to come face to face with the proposition of everything that they believe being a total lie. Uh, and some people are capable of doing that and some people are not. And it, it's one of those things where, you know, as much as we want 
everyone to be able to determine the courses of their own lives, right? We, we want them to have freedom. We want them to have self-determination. Not everybody is ready for it yet. And, and part of the reason why I think is because of that indoctrination that we go through, uh, not only through public school, but even once we get out of public school and we get into the workforce and go to college and, and we have all of those other societal pressures that, that are brought to bear on us. Um, you know, some people just cannot handle it. Like they're, they're not for whatever reason, they're not built that way or they, and I think this is, this is the more important point. Some of them don't believe they can handle it. And again, it goes back to that thing of the story that you tell yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. it's you either believe that you can, or you believe that you can't. And it really doesn't matter which one you believe because either way you're right. So this leads into an entire different conversation and we're getting pretty late out here, but like there's, there is, there is this whole, that is the whole whole post libertarian uh, talking point really is realizing that maybe a good majority of this country isn't ready for anything like Ancapistan. They're not ready to be, to live in an anarchist society Uh, that would probably kill a lot of people just because they wouldn't know what the fuck to do and it would cause strife and chaos. And so uh, I, I have a lot of like, um, you know, it's a bummer because, you know, I mean, I, I want Ancapistan, but maybe that is an, an utopian uh, dream or something. I'm not sure. Um, or it probably is, but uh, anyways, we should definitely like have, yes, yeah, we should have, let's definitely, let's do this again, man. I had a lot of fun oh. with you, Drizzle. Oh, well, thank you. I had a lot of fun with uh, with you guys as well. We we touched on a lot of stuff in a, in a very short amount of time. Uh, and that, that was pretty cool because this is this actually, other than my own podcast, uh, this is the first podcast that I've done uh, since I started podcasting three months ago. Um, awesome. So yeah. Well, yeah, we're pretty yeah. new too. So, yeah, we welcome and uh why don't you put your plugs out man tell us about your podcast and tell us about where people can find you and interact with you and okay uh well i'll try and and make it as brief as possible um so about three months ago uh, i created this thing called uh grand theft world uh liberty radio uh and some folks may already be familiar with the grand theft world brand of course uh that was a uh, show that was started by uh, richard grove uh, a little over a year ago has a, a lot to do with uh, things that we were discussing tonight uh, and all the insanity going on in our world. Uh, but I created a spinoff show uh, where we try to feature uh, independent uh, musicians, uh, artists, comedians, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, basically folks that uh, have decided that the uh, the system is is not here for our benefit and have decided to opt out of it. Uh, we Agorism, created, uh, baby. There you go. Uh, We created a platform for those folks to be able to broadcast their message uh, out to everybody else. And uh, we call it Liberty Radio. That's really cool. uh, man. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We also, uh, you know, uh, we uh, feature a lot of uh, music uh, from from folks that some of your your audience is probably already familiar with, Uh, you know, Tom McDonald, uh, uh, Diesel Automatic, um, Five Times August. you know, basically all the, all the independent musicians out there, we try to play them as much as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just, uh, 
trying to to provide something for uh, for the market that uh, may not be in abundant supply. Uh, and so far, it uh, it seems to be working. So folks can check us out uh, over at Odyssey uh, is the main channel. Uh, and you just want to look for uh, GTW Liberty Radio. You can also find us uh, on Float uh, as well as uh, Podcast Addict, uh, Pocket Casts, and uh, Reason FM uh, on uh, the podcatchers. Again, you just want to search for uh, GTW Liberty Radio. And uh, I'll give a quick shout out for uh, my website because I also uh, write and yeah. do some other stuff. And uh, you can find that stuff at uh, manufacturingreality.org. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, we really appreciate your time. That was a fun conversation. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's do this again, guys. We had a lot of fun. Cool. All right. And we will wrap this thing up. There we go. Good night, everybody. <laughs>